Welcome, everyone, to another edition of BAMS Radio. I'm your host, Judy Armand. Of course, my co-host and wizard behind the curtain extraordinaire, Thomas Watts, is with us as well, along with our third amigo, William Redfish Barger, uh, a national champion in 1992, and from 89 to 93, a member of the Crimson Tide football program. And we'll talk a little Crimson Tide football tonight, but we're also going to talk basketball as Avery Johnson and his program took a huge step last night 86 to 83 in a highly entertaining game. Of course, you might have needed a little Maylocks to watch the end, but Alabama finds a way uh, to survive against a very good Virginia Tech team coached by Buzz Williams, a team that had given Virginia their only home loss in Charlottesville, had beaten the Duke Blue Devils at home as well, beat the Clemson Tigers, so a very good opponent. Alabama survives and gets their first NCAA tournament win uh, since 2006 when Jean Felix dropped 34 on Tom Crean and the Marquette Golden Eagles. Tom Crean now, ironically, the new head basketball coach at Georgia. But a huge win for Alabama basketball and for at least a few days should silence some of the critics uh, that had been so vocal about Avery Johnson and uh, some wanting him fired because they lost five games in a row. Well, that is a, in a, you know, a distant memory now. Alabama will play Villanova with another huge opportunity at 11 o'clock in the morning uh, tomorrow uh, to tip off the uh, NCAA uh, coverage for the second round, really the third round when you consider the first four. But Alabama with another amazing opportunity to perhaps shock the world and go to the Sweet 16. Going to be really tough uh, to beat Villanova and Jay Wright. They're one of the national championship favorites. A lot of people have them going to the Final Four, some even cutting the nets down. Uh, and uh, so it'll be a huge challenge for Alabama, but one that they ought to relish uh, and, uh, you know, could make another Cinderella run to the second weekend as they did in 2004. And that one was started by a runner in the lane by Antoine Petway in the first round of the tournament uh, against uh, Southern Illinois. We saw Colin Sexton kind of juice everything last week uh, in the SEC tournament in St. Louis against Texas A&M. And Texas A&M, ironically, won today as well. So the SEC off to a nice start. Uh, they're 4-1 and one overall. Uh, Arkansas laid an egg against Butler. But other than that, the league has done very, very well in the first round of the NCAA tournament, kind of validating the strength of this league. And uh, I'll bring William Barger into the conversation. William, uh, I know you uh, it, football is definitely your cup of tea, but you admired what Avery's done and a huge step last night in winning a game on the biggest stage in college basketball. Yeah, I mean, uh, <clears throat> Drew, I was, I was on uh, Ryan Fowler's radio show um, less than an hour ago and then talked about the same thing. You know, I, I don't know a lot about college basketball. Don't pretend to. Uh, but at the same time, I'm a, I'm a big Avery Johnson fan. You know, I, I thought when the hire was made, you know, he was the guy that was going to be, you know, able to recruit real well. Um, he, I think he's done a very good job of marketing the program and, you know, getting it back into, you know, at least a national mention, you know, on ESPN. And, you know, during that five-game skid where they went on and, you know, everybody was, you know, I'm not saying everybody, but there was a large percentage of Alabama fans that, you know, thought he should be fired and removed from the job. You know, I thought that was ridiculous. Um, So I'm glad to see him, you know, take this team into the tournament um, you know, because I think, you know, there was an expectation out there, um, you know, going back to November where, you know, this team, a lot of people put this team on, you know, like a sweet 16 notice. And, you know, it doesn't matter really what sport it is. When you've got a young team like Avery Johnson does, whether it's in football, basketball, baseball, soccer, uh, you know, girls volleyball. Um, that's a very difficult dynamic to manage as a coach. And, you know, I I hated to see how, you know, nasty that, you know, dynamic got with people thinking that he should be fired. Um, I'm glad to see that he's gotten to the tournament. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens tomorrow versus, you know, a number one seed in Villanova. Uh, But but I I think that Avery Johnson has upgraded this Alabama basketball program. There is no question about that. And, uh, William, I think the biggest thing that I was thinking about when uh, Alabama won two games in St. Louis and cemented their place in the tournament and then won a game is what it could mean for the future. And 
you know, it proves and validates his thoughts on getting to year three in this recruiting class. The thing that I enjoyed the most and was watching, uh, you know, John Petty and Colin Sexton last night. They are the two crown jewels of the class. And I, I remember, you know, being in a press conference with John Calipari last year in Nashville when Alabama lost a close game in the SEC tournament and had to settle for the NIT. And John Calipari stating, look, Alabama's about to get a lot better. They beat us on two guards, and they're going to be really, really good. And he was talking about Colin Sexton, of course, and John Petty. And both of those guys on the biggest stage, uh, Colin Sexton with 22 in the second half, made a lot of plays down the stretch. And then we saw John Petty. uh, He's really started to warm up, had 20 last night, including the biggest shot of the game, William. It's 72-70 late in the ball game, last three minutes. And he hits a huge three from the wing off a feed, I believe, from Sexton. Uh, and it and it was uh, his last three of the game and really uh, uh, helped Alabama extend that lead. And you also saw the other three freshmen in the class all play roles. Galen Smith had eight big points, Herbert Jones six, and played really good defense, rebounded the basketball, and played some point forward for Alabama. And then even Alex Reese, a guy you know well, uh, played about seven minutes, got some rebounds. So Alabama, that five-man freshman class, uh, is really validated itself and played a key role in Alabama advancing to Villanova last night. Yeah, you know, Drew, I, I'm not astute enough when it comes to, you know, basketball X's and O's to say that, you know, Avery Johnson's the guy for the future that can take this program to the next level. I don't know. But I do know this, and it, it translates to, you know, any sport. And I, I go back to, you know, the quote that Bobby Bowden, you know, made in the in the, the mid to late 80s about his football program at Florida State, you know, it's not about the X's and O's. It's more about the Jimmys and Joes. And, and Avery Johnson has done a very good job um, of elevating this program, you know, with the way he's marketed it, number one. Number two, with the way he's recruited to it and getting some very good Jimmys and Joes in that program. And I think you're seeing that, um, you know, now starting to, you know, kind of, um, you know, kind of come to the surface in the NCAA tournament. You know, can they beat Villanova tomorrow? Um, I don't know. But I think he's done a great job of elevating this program and taking it to the next level. And why any, you know, Alabama fan – would want to have him dismissed from the program, um, you know, based on what the, you know, look, I get it. You know, that, that five game skid at the end of the season didn't look good. It goes back to, you know, the year prior when they went on that skid, but he's done a very good job of marketing the program, bringing in better talent and, uh, you know, give, give the guy his due and, and let him keep building that program. And I think you're going to see, more positive results going forward, uh, you know, from Avery Johnson and, and getting this program back to where it needs to be. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, and I think really the thing that I thought about after the win was in the books was re- future recruiting uh, because, William, I know you follow football recruiting very closely, as do I, but I, I follow basketball recruiting uh, very, very closely. And there's a young man in your backyard in Birmingham, Mountain Brook High School, Trendon Watford, who's as good a, a player uh, as I've seen in the state of Alabama in a long, long time. And the beautiful thing about Trendon, and I say this with all due respect, because he's a top 20 player in the country, but he will not be a one-and-done in college, in my opinion. And the thing is, the reason he's perfect for a place like Alabama and then build, continuing to build a program is he's a below-the-rim, skilled basketball player, uh, six foot eight, six foot nine great passing skills, can shoot the basketball, can handle the ball, uh, inside-out kind of guy, two-time state champion at, with the Mountain Brook Spartans. And the thing that's exciting is, to me, he's going to at least be in college two years. And that's so exciting because uh, I think, you know, uh, he'll need a little bit more strength and skill development. And uh, because he's not super explosive, I think he'll play, you know, uh, at least a couple years in college. He won't be a one-and-done so he could really help continue to elevate Alabama's program. I think they've, even though he's being recruited by so many really good schools, I think Alabama has positioned itself very strongly with Watford. Uh, and, uh, and then Kyra Lewis, he does have 
uh, NBA level athleticism, but he's another one that's a little bit raw with his outside shot. He's another player that I think like a John Petty would at least be a two year guy, at least two to three years in college. And Kyra will not be a one and done either, but he's got such potential. The, one of the best first steps I've ever seen in the state of Alabama. He's a top 50 kid nationally. And I think both of those young men, I think Alabama has an outstanding chance to get both of them and proving that they can get to this level and win games in the NCAA tournament and pl- even just play against a team like Villanova on the big stage it would, is going to go a long way to taking this program. As you put it, he's taking it the next step to getting to the NCAA tournament. Now you want to get your program to the point where you can advance in the NCAA tournament and be expected to make a run at a, at a Final Four, which is something that Alabama's never done, William. No, I think that's, you know, something that, you know, you know, I think that, you know, as, as many good things as Nick Saban has done for the football program, you know, certainly um, as quickly as he was, was able to turn that thing around, um, you know, there, there's a thought process out there, Drew, that, um, you know, signing one, maybe two, you know, recruiting classes at the basketball level is all you really need. But But I think that, if you look at what Avery Johnson has done, and I, I think there's a lot more positives versus negatives than what he's done. Um, he's recruited at a high level. Um, he's marketed that program, you know, to where you at least get whispers on ESPN um, about the basketball program and where it is at right now. Um, I, I just don't get all the the vitriol that was out there two weeks ago about as far as, you know, so many Alabama fans wanted to see him get fired. You know, that was never going to happen. But but still, um, you know, let's look and celebrate what this guy has done so well. And, you know, as Alabama fans, you know, maybe he's not the greatest X's and O's coach. You know, Bobby Bowden wasn't a great X's and O's coach. you know, there's a lot of other football coaches out there um, that you could maybe, you know, place that label on. Um, you know, Butch Jones, I mean, uh, uh, Butch Davis at Miami, Pete Carroll at USC. Um, you know, they, they recruited well, and they got the Jimmys and the Joes into their program and let them, you know, do their thing. And I think that's what Avery Johnson is. Um, he, he's going to market that program. He's going to you know, bring positive energy to that program, and he's going to bring in great recruits year after year. And let's just let that guy do his thing. I mean, you know, I think, you know, so many people thought that, you know, they read something on the Internet about Avery Johnson, and it was going to be that, you know, this 2017-18 Alabama basketball team was going to be a, a Sweet 16 basketball team. Well, you know, maybe it was, but I know enough about organizations, whether it's athletically or in the private sector in business, that when you've got that many young moving parts involved with it, that that's a really difficult thing to manage. And, I, you know, I think the guy's done a good job at it, and I don't want to see him go anywhere. And I don't understand um, as a – you know, full-time gump bammer that, that all only follows Alabama football recruiting and, and uh, you know, we're fixing to kick off spring practice next Tuesday. Why so many people wanted to see him dismissed from, you know, what he's been able to build. And, you know, I don't get that. Um, the guy's done a great job, in my opinion. And I hope he gets the opportunity to keep doing that. And I think you'll see – a, a bigger brand being built. I think he's already done a good job of building a brand, but you know, you, you have to look at what the expectations were versus what the end product was. And, you know, somebody put that moniker on them that said, this was a sweet 16 team. And so, so many people got so pissed off about that. Um, I don't get that. But I, I like what he's done. He's, he's built a team. He's built a brand. And I'm all aboard on giving him more time to continue to do that. And the, the funny thing, William, is I, somebody asked me this, and, you know, and, I, and, I, and I may have even said it on a couple of shows. 
I thought the ceiling, if everything went perfect for the team, was, you know, 23 wins or so, and they're a little bit short of that. And a top five, four, uh, you know, top five finish, top four finish in the SEC. And they were really just two or three wins away from doing that, and they were very close to doing it and were there most of the season. Uh, but didn't, could, couldn't quite finish it at the end and ended up falling back to ninth. And so that was disappointing. And, again, uh, they're, you know, two or three wins short right now. They're, got, they're at 20 wins, but they're three wins short of the 23. And then I even said a sweet 16 run maximum, I thought, out of this team because of how young they were going to be. And, again, it all depends on your draw. But here's the funny thing, William. Uh, they haven't played the second-round NCAA tournament game. If they win it, they've got 21 wins, and they are in the Sweet 16. So they would have right. hit most of those goals. So that's what—that's the funny thing about basketball. It's just the fans overreact because it's not football, and you know, losses in football are treated as catastrophes. In basketball, it's a marathon and not a sprint. Same way with baseball. You're going to lose some games. You don't need to overreact when you do it. And the bad part is a lot of the Alabama fan base does. Uh, some, uh, several of them don't, but, and a lot of them don't. But a lot of them do. And, and as Thomas has said, social media, that's where you can see the evil side. And when people you know, don't know anything and have no common sense and then come out and rant and rave and, talk, and call for people's jobs uh, when they have uh, no business doing it and probably can't do their own job very well. So, you know, that, that's just <laughs> the way it is. And so I, I think – but I like Avery's temperament. Uh, you know, he stays positive. He's a really good recruiter, uh, and I think, and I like the fact that he, you know, he had Southern ties to New Orleans. I think that worked out really well for Alabama, especially with all the NBA ties. And so, I think Alabama's got a bright future. I'm looking forward to it. And you know, who knows if it's going to be kind of funny. I mean, if Alabama does upset Villanova this weekend, they could end up back on the cover of Sports Illustrated, much as they were when they beat Stanford and ended up in the Elite Eight, and Chuck Davis was on the front. Uh, and also Mike and Mike Anderson because UAB made a run that year too. So just uh, you know, uh, it was it's been a good day for uh, in, a, in a good couple of days really for the SEC. It was a good day for Alabama last night, and right now Auburn leads 17 to 14 over College of Charleston. So the state of Alabama is playing some good basketball. You know, both squads are good, and again, it just warms my heart to know that Alabama won two out of three over Auburn, and they'll probably never get over it. <laughs> good stuff, Trey. Yeah, but uh, but and but and and now uh, we, and we're gonna and we'll go on and and uh, and then talk uh, some Alabama football with everybody. And uh, Alabama, as you said, William, you've already talked about it. They're gonna take the to the field, uh, you know, on uh, March the twentieth. That's gonna be the first day of spring practice. A lot of people are anxious. Uh, and I, I, you know, we the last time we talked, uh, we were talking about uh, Alabama was could end up adding to the recruiting class. There's been. Uh, no more word on the junior college defensive lineman uh, being added uh, to the class as far as a visit. I spoke to someone who briefly spoke to his junior college coach, William. You may have heard some things as well down uh, as far as uh, with that. But from what I'm understanding right now, uh, that uh, with Tavita Masika, that's the, that's the best I can do, is that the visit has not happened yet, but it's supposed to happen in the near future. Have you heard anything more on it? No, I haven't. Nothing more than, <clears throat> excuse me, what you just said. I, I think it's probably going to happen, um, you know, during spring practice, um, you know, which starts Tuesday, um, which will spill over into uh, right around August the 20th, 21st. Um, you know, let's see if he, if he, if he does it during that time. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, positive momentum for Alabama's football program, Drew. Uh, you know, during that same time versus, you know, kids that, you know, we're still trying to back count into this class versus, you know, guys they're trying to get commitments from in the 2019 class. It, it's going to happen. You know, we, we, you know, Drew, we kind of oversee the, um, you know, the greatest and the worst fan base, you know, and, and, you know, when you, when you're talking about both sides of your mouth. But, you know, they're impatient. Um, they don't like to see things get drug out. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's just the way it is when you come to big-time athletics. It is. It's, what's, it's what happens in, during big-time athletics. And, then, and they're going to make their own evaluation. I know there's been talk about his true height. Uh, and, you know, I've had people tell me they don't think he's really six feet tall. Alabama will make that call ultimately. 
uh, William. But uh, the one thing that I go back to as well, though, uh, Josh Chapman was a very effective player at Alabama. I'm not saying this kid's going to be Josh Chapman, but he was about 5'11", and so is William Vallejos. If they think this kid can play football due to the need at the position, I, I think he should be a take. Well, you know, Drew, um, Las Vegas uh, is a lot more smarter than us about, uh, you know, making, you know, wagers on who's going to win what. And, uh, you know, being a five foot 11 quarterback um, is not really real conducive to winning the Heisman Trophy. But there's a lot of people out there in those big hotels in Las Vegas that have Tua Tungabailoa as one of the leaders for the Heisman Trophy. And he's only five foot eleven. So I'm, yeah, I'm sorry, guys. Let me jump in here. Yeah, go are, ahead. Are, are we saying that Alabama shouldn't recruit a guy, or should, or sh- depending on however you define it, because of his height? And these recruitniks are, are are saying that Alabama won't figure that out. Is am I understanding you correctly here, Drew? I'm sorry. I just want to make sure I'm not completely off the deep end here because. As a fan who doesn't follow recruiting, uh, Alabama's program's worth a whole hell of a lot of money. I think they can afford a tape measure. I think everyone needs to calm down. But talk me off well, the ledge, I, please. Well, I mean, it's just Nick Saban has certain criteria for how big he wants a kid to be. Uh, and sometimes they make exceptions to those criteria. And in my opinion, even with this kid, if even if he's only around six feet, uh, his film's pretty good, and I think it's good. I think they should make an exception. They made an exception with William Vallejos and Josh Chapman, and I've heard Nick Saban say before that he had to be talked into, you know, uh, to with you know, to uh, taking Vallejos, and he had to be, you know, because he was just going to gray shirt at first. That's what they were going to offer him, and then they ended up flipping Chapman from Auburn, and both of those guys. Uh, you know, Vallejo started 40-plus games at Alabama, and as Coach Saban has, I've heard him say, he said it would have been one of the biggest mistakes I made in my coaching career if we didn't take William Vallejos. And then Chapman uh, was a very, very good player on arguably the greatest, well, the second greatest defense in Alabama history. I'm still going to go with 92. But that 2011 group, <laughs> and, and so the 2011 group, Chapman was the, the nose guard on that team. And injury kind of derailed his NFL career. But to me, even if he's not, if he doesn't, you know, quite uh, check off that box for height, I think that Alabama uh, should take this kid. I agree, Drew. And, and, you know, there's a, you know, perception out there that you have to have, you know, these, these, you know, quantitative measurables to be a great football player. And I'll tell you this right now, from being a former offensive lineman, um, I, I would much rather see a guy, uh, and I'm not trying to say that I could have blocked him because I'm not trying to say that. I would have much rather have seen a guy that was six foot six, uh, 325 pounds, um, you know, as a former SEC offensive guard in Raquan Davis. Uh, you know, the guys that I hated to see on a daily basis were, you know, those guys that were six foot tall, uh, you know, built like a damn Sherman tank, especially with the, uh, you know, the big ass and the lower body legs. Um, I, you know, I would have much rather have seen a, a Raekwon Davis, a John Henderson, uh, you know, a Dante Stallworth type guy that was playing down inside. Um, that didn't bother me because I knew I could get leverage on those guys. That that's what you know when when, you, when especially when you start talking about the the offensive line that you're going to see going forward. Um, you know from Alabama and Tuscaloosa this year. You know there's some people that think, well, you know maybe we'll put you know Jedrick Wills at right tackle and we'll slide you will slide Matt Womack inside. I'm not a big fan of. You know, seeing a guy that's six foot seven, you know, going inside the offensive guard for two different reasons. Number one, it's so difficult to get leverage on somebody like that as an offensive lineman. And number two, especially if you've got a short quarterback, which I'm just, you know, playing devil, devil's advocate here and thinking that Tua Tungabailoa at five foot 11 is going to be the starting quarterback then you've got to throw the freaking football over a guy that's six foot seven. 
and you can't really see the full field. So um, I would prefer to see, you know, um, you know, let, let's just say that Matt Womack keeps his job at right tackle. I think that's the, you know, the party line. And I don't want to see anybody, whether it's Matt Womack or a six foot six Alex Leatherwood, you know, getting slip slide inside. Um, especially if you've got a, you know, a quarterback that's short like Tua Tungabailoa is, and I think that's who um, the starter is going to be. You know, when it comes to maybe not the Louisville game, but I think probably by the the Texas A&M game. Um, I, you know, I don't want to see that. Um, you know, they're 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 not, you know, quick twitch athletes. You know, they're not. Uh, guys that can put their foot in the ground and change directions real quickly. Um, you know, I'd rather see those guys stay out on the perimeter. And, and, you know, you've got guys like Josh Kasher, Brandon Kennedy, Dallas Warmack, even a guy like Richie Pettibone. Um, I think, it, you know, Drew, if you go out there next Tuesday and you see what I think is going to happen is, you know, Jonah Williams at left tackle, uh, Ross Pierce Baker at center, Matt Womack at right tackle. The, the, the big key question mark is, is who's going to be that left guard? And I just gave you those names of Josh Kasher, Brandon Kennedy, uh, Dallas Warmack, even maybe Richie Pettibone that could factor in there. Even an Alex Leatherwood could, but I just don't like sliding – uh, guys that have the ability to play offensive tackle out there on the edge that can stop a guy that runs a four five forty, um, you know, from cleaning your quarterback's clock. I just don't like sliding those guys inside. I can understand that completely, William. You don't like sliding them inside, and I, I can I completely understand. And uh, you know, I I I uh, I. I, I it's going to be really interesting because they've got so many options, and I think in a, in a way because he got hurt and uh, he, he he's and he's had to stand behind some really good players that uh, they they're 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 kind of shortchanging, uh, in my opinion, uh, Brandon Kennedy a little bit. Well, you know, I think Drew, if you look at that thing, you know, as far as shortchanging Brandon Kennedy, I, I think they're shortchanging him there. Um, you know, who's going to be the number two running back? I mean, you've got Najee Harris, Josh Jacobs, um, you know, the kid from Tuscaloosa right there. Um, you know, you look at what really is, in my opinion, the only real weakness on this team as they start spring practice is, you know, the two cornerback positions. And, you know, I think that's going to be Savion Smith at one corner and Trevon Diggs at the other. Or are those two guys going to be the same two guys that start versus Louisville? And I doubt that. But, you know, to me, I think when you when you start looking at, um, you know, this 2018 Alabama team, where the next level of concern is, it's, you know, you look at Mac Wilson and Dylan Moses as the two starters of inside linebacker. And – you know, beyond those two guys, what are we looking at? You know, both of them are coming off of, um, you know, catastrophic injuries, really, to both of them. Um, you know, if Keith, you know, Keith Holcomb decides to pack it in and, and you know, maybe go to, um, you know, the Major League Baseball, baseball Draft, um, you know, that's where my real concern is. You know, it's it's – you know, it's not the D-line, it's not the outside linebackers, it's not the corners or the safeties. It's paper thin and inside linebacker. And, you know, if you want to shift over to the offensive side of the football, you know, there, there's a chance that Alabama could put nine former five-star recruits out there on that offense next year. And, um, you know, whether you're Mike Loxley, Mike Loxley or Dan Enos, um, that's just ridiculous. It really is, and I, I'm just really excited uh, to kind of see, you know, the progress that offensive line can make. And 
and I know uh, everybody wants to see what they kind of do with Alex Leatherwood, and we saw just uh, bits and pieces of him and how much better he had gotten. Where do you see Jedrick Wills fitting in? Well, Drew, I mean, I think it all goes down to, uh, you know, what happens with, you know, number one, Jonah Williams, number two, Ross Pierce Baker. Um, you know, if, if, if they give that early spring reps to Ross Pierce Baker at center, that says that they're not willing to move Jonah Williams from one of the two offensive tackle spots, which I think that's where his best game is. Um, so if that's the game, you know, who's going to be the starting left guard? Um, you know, that's when – you know, uh, you know, Jedrick Wills, Alex Leatherwood, um, Dallas Warmack, you know, all those guys come into play. Um, again, I think there could be a, another battle maybe over on the other side of the offensive line. You know, um, I think that uh, Matt Womack was very, very good as a run blocker last year. Uh, I thought he was a little bit of a liability in pass protection. Uh, but, you know, there's there's so many bodies over there. You know, Drew, it's kind of like what most people want to see if, if they're Alabama fans. Um, the, the, the offensive line dynamic is so deep, and there's so many pieces of a puzzle that could play out there. You know, what needs to happen is, that needs to flip over this year to the recruiting class. Um, you know, that they were devoid of talent at the offensive tackle position before Mario Cristobal um, came to Tuscaloosa, and he did a great job of reloading that position very quickly. What, what Nick Saban needs to be concerned about is they have to do that same thing with the front seven um, with the defensive linemen and the inside linebacker recruits, you know, this next recruiting class. That has to be done, and it has to be done effectively. It does, William. There's no doubt about that, and uh, there's going to be a lot of competition. Are you in favor of Ross Piersbaker ultimately being the center? Drew, I'm, I'm, I'm totally uncommittal on that. Um, I, I think, you know, this, this is twofold. Um, you know, Alabama has had, you know, two offensive centers, um, uh, you know, since the, the Nick Saban regime that were guys that were athletic, that could get a, hand, you know, a helmet on, a, on another helmet. Um, that, that, that could do that. You know, Ryan Kelly was one guy, Barrett Jones was another. And then you've got, you know, guys like Antoine Caldwell and, and William Vallejos that could, and, and I would put Bradley Bozeman in that group as well, that could mow people down. Um, but, but I think, you know, if you ask me about, you know, what's going to happen next Tuesday, you know, and we, we have to, <clears throat> excuse me, factor in, that, you know, Pierce Baker was scheduled to be the starting center versus USC two years ago. And, you know, he struggled so bad with the shotgun snaps uh, prior to that, that, you know, they replaced him with Bozeman. But if you're asking me who I think are, are going to be the stars of that position group, I, you know, uh, there's two different, you know, uh, talking points here. I, I think that, um, you know, you've got Alex Leatherwood, you got Jedrick Wills, um, you got Ross Pierce Baker, you know, in another group with Jonah Williams, they're, they're proven commodities. I think what it's going to come down to, you know, and, and Drew, this is, you know, um, just me and you talking. You know, people want to talk about the, the, the damn quarterback damn, uh, you know, race between Jalen Hurts and Tua Tungvaloa. But I think that damn offensive line makeup and who are going to be the best five is easily the, the best intriguing story of, of spring practice. 
It is. I think it's very intriguing and uh, very. Uh, I'm anxious to see how it all plays out because they're going to do a lot of experimenting, uh, and I'm anxious to see kind of you know how everything fits uh, and where and, and who gets work where uh, because I I think uh, they have a lot of talent. And I, and I just wonder if uh, Matt Womack, who had a solid year, if he can uh, hold on to his job. And, and what, are your, what are your thoughts on Lester Cotton? Because he finished the year injured. You know, I think he, uh, he has a chance to, uh, you know, be like Raekwon Davis was. I mean, I think he's a guy that's, you know, let's, let's don't, you know, cut, uh, cut mud here. Um, he, he's a guy that struggled with the uh, – um, the playbook type of stuff that, that's, you know, kind of kept him from doing what he did. But, you know, he held down his job last year. I think he's a, a really good player. Um, you know, I think there there is a tangible answer to say what was the difference between his career path last year versus Raekwon Davis. And, you know, he's a guy that, you know, kind of struggled to qualify academically to get into Alabama. Um, but, you know, to me, Drew, I think the um, the old line comes down to, and I, I do expect, I think that you're going to see uh, Jonah Williams be one of the tackles. I think starting off, you'll see Ross Pierce Baker maybe be the center. Um, how long for that happens, I don't know. But outside of that, I think all those other positions are open and, you know, open for competition. No question about it. I think they're all open for competition. And uh, I think it's the, it's going to be, uh, you know, a, a lot of great work. Uh, and, and, and I think I'm going to be anxious to see what Coach Cool. Uh, can do with some of these defensive linemen because Raquan Davis made such improvement last year. Uh, and then I talked to Deshaun Hand on my show uh, this morning, William, and he's coming to Huntsville to do an appearance. He said he expects your boy to break out this year in Quinnen Williams. Yeah, you know, Quinnen Williams is a guy that, you know, the Alabama coaching staff had graded out as, you know, the second best five technique defensive lineman. Um, you know, behind only the number one defensive lineman in the country, Rashawn Gary. And I think he's done a great job of, you know, waiting his turn, um, you know, to get his reps. You know, you saw what Raekwon Davis was able to do last year. Um, I think Quinn Williams has the, the quick twitch ability to do the same thing. And, you know, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but, if they, you know, only thing that will derail Alabama's defensive line and their front seven um, from being one of the best in the country is, you know, the injury bug thing. And you kind of have to look out for that when you start making predictions. But, I, you know, I think they are going to be one of the top uh, five uh, you know, front sevens of college football this year. And, you know, it's a real prediction that's easy to make. You know, tell me when the last time that Nick Saban hasn't put out a product that wasn't one of the top five defenses in college football. You can't do it. Agreed that you can't really do that. It's uh, you can't. Uh, uh, he's always putting together top five, top ten defenses and, uh, that defensive line, they, they, the big key is just going to be for Darian Mathis and uh, if they can find someone to play there in the middle. Uh, and then maybe even a guy like Johnny Dwight, can he give them some snaps at times inside? Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, and, and Johnny could be a guy, William. We've seen this with Nick Saban before, a fifth-year senior that can come into his own. Yes, he could. And I think that uh, I'm as guilty as anybody of, of dismissing him. I thought he was a – you know, a Kirby Smart special bust. But, that, you know, that guy has stuck with the program, you know, put his time in. Um, you know, don't discount, you know, a guy like Federian Mathis, who I think has, you know, overshined over on the, uh, the special teams. But don't discount a guy like Johnny Dwight that can factor in and, and give you, you know, 12 to 15 plays a game at, you know, maybe a guy that can slide in there and play nose, uh, one technique, 
uh, defensive tackle. He's probably not quick twitch enough to be a three-technique defensive tackle. But this is what's going to happen. Uh, Fedarian Mathis is going to shock people in the spring. Uh, th- there's another guy that's, uh, you know, now around 300 pounds, uh, you know, named Quinnen Williams that can play one technique. Uh, he can slide right, right back out to uh, the five-technique defensive tackle. I mean, the five-technique defensive end spot. Um, listen, the only negative that I see on this football team is, okay, um, there's no kicker. They, they've all, you know, they've altered that. They brought that kid in from Temple. Um you know, defensively, you know, do we have to see how Tosh is going to call this defense? Yeah, we do. Um, but, you know, you flip over to the offensive side of the football, and, I, you know, I think they're going to sco- score so many points on people on a weekly basis. Um, there's no e- you know, reason to even talk about it. Um, you know, Drew, I think we're in, in a situation between now and maybe – 2024, where we're talking about Nick Saban wanting to retire, um, it's it, it's high cotton. We're all going to be sitting here um, probably 10 years from now, uh, looking at each other like we did. Um, at least for me and the, the age group that I'm in, um, with, with the way that the people you know went through the Bryant run. You're right, William. Uh, it's a, it's just a, it's just a matter of reloading. There's no doubt about that. Uh, there, you know, Alabama's got a chance to do uh, some great things uh, with this football team this year, no question about it. Uh, and then uh, we're gonna, we're gonna get a chance to see some growth at the linebacker core. Get to see how comfortable Dylan Moses is, uh, and he, he's got a lot of talent. Uh, and uh, see how he's bounced back from his injury, and uh, and also. Uh, we're going to get a chance to to see Mac Wilson uh, get more and more comfortable and see if he moves over to that mic or if it's going to be Dylan Moses. And then uh, we've got – and they should have as good an outside linebackers as any in the country uh, with healthy guys back uh, like uh, Terrell Lewis uh, and Christian Miller. Yeah, you know, I think that's the, the big question. The only question on the defensive side of the ball, Drew, is, uh, you know, how they handle that, you know, possible paper-thin situation at inside linebacker. You know, you're talking about, you know, two guys and, and, you know, Mac Wilson and Dylan Moses that are both coming across as guys that are recovering from, you know, pretty serious injuries. But, you know, let's just, you know, play going forward. Um, You know, if Keith Holcomb decides to give up football, um, you know, uh, the, the, there's there's not a lot of guys over there. You know, uh, Ben Davis is still unproven. To me, I think that's the the weak link in that defense um, that Tosh Lapoy has inherited from from Jeremy Pruitt. Is you're really really thin, um, you know, at the inside linebacker spots that kind of you know controls the whole thing on that defense being one of those you know, top three defenses every year. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with Savion Smith and Trevon Diggs and maybe even a guy like Patrick Sertain coming in in May, um, you know, at the two corner spots. But to me, where I see that wink link on, on that defense is if something were to happen to Matt Wilson or Dylan Moses, who's that next guy in line? And, you know, that, that's kind of scary when you start looking at that depth chart. It is. That is one way or one area where Alabama uh, does have some depth concerns, and that's going to be a big part of it and the uncertain future of Van Darius Cowan now, William. Yeah, and, you know, you know, I don't want to speculate on that, Drew, and I'm sure you don't either. I mean, I think even, um, you know, another guy from that true freshman class last year, last year uh, uh, Markel Benton might even be caught up in that, but – We'll see what happens with that. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, the the Vandarius Cowan situation, Drew, is 
at least from everything that I've been told is is not trending in the right direction for you know happy Alabama fans, um, which I think is unfortunate. You know, he's a guy that could have been a Rashawn Evans type player. Um, you know, versus first and ten situations, he could have been an inside guy. Uh, you know, second and ten, third and long, he could have been an edge rusher. But, um, you know, I think the young man has gotten himself into a situation where, um, at least right now, it doesn't look positive for him, uh, you know, rejoining the Alabama football program. We'll see what happens. You know, I'm not going to speculate on that, and I know you're not either. But, you know, the good thing is, Drew, um, I think that, Alabama has so much talent on the offensive side of the football. You know, when, when you when you start looking at um, what what they did in the second half in the Georgia game, I mean, it was amazing to me. You had Alex Leatherwood at left tackle. Um, you had you know Tua Tungavaloa at quarterback. Um, Najee Harris and and Damian Harris rotating at at, at running back. Um, you know, those three freshman wide receivers, um, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But I think that, you know, Drew, what I'm looking at and, and what I think, you know, is the realistic perception of what's going to happen in spring practice going forward into fall practice is, you know, just how much can Nick Saban move forward from being a game manager head coach of the quarterback position versus getting into in line with having a guy that's a, uh, a, sl- a gunslinger. And, you know, you saw how slow he was last year to get to that point. And, you know, Drew, you and I talked about this, you know, so many times off the air and, and you know, in private. Um, and I think I told you that, you know, once I saw what Tua Tungvaloa did in the second half of the Tennessee game um, after, you know, that pick six that he did. But I think people have kind of missed all the keys since then. Don't get me wrong. You know, Tua came in second half of the Georgia game and, and, you know, delivered. But let's look at this realistically going into spring practice along with the fact that you have to understand he has to protect his own interest of somebody leaving and leaving him high and dry. Um, I I think that's going to be the most interesting thing and getting Nick Saban to get out of the game manager mindset versus the gunslinger mindset. Me personally, I don't have a problem with that. Um, you know, Drew, we talked about this. I mean, you and, and Ryan Fowler, um, you know, were both real quick to um, digest just how dynamic Tua Tungavailoa was last year. Um, you know, I was on the latter part of that. You know, I was loyal to Jalen Hurts because, uh, you know, I, I saw what he did, um, you know, during the bailout of Blake Barnett. But I, I thought in the second half of the Tennessee game, despite that damn pick six, um, I saw that gunslinger mentality, and he recovered from that. You know, the next time that you really saw him get a chance to prove that was in the national championship game, despite the fact that, you know, Drew, you and I both had sources um, that said he was going to play versus Clemson. Um, but you know, that, that sack that he took, you know, that wasn't good. Um, you know, the, the interception that he threw was, was kind of a shitty interception, but I think the, the most interesting thing to me, Drew, in spring practice going into fall camp is what is the transition going to be with Nick Saban going from game manager mode versus gunslinger mode and you know however that takes place how quickly it takes place i don't know but i think that's the number one question going into spring practice for alabama is 
Nick Saban has to get comfortable with that gunslinger mode, and you may not like it. It might take a sack. It might be an interception. It might be a pick six. But, you know, and I'm talking about this from being the biggest Jalen Hurts nut hugger in America. But that little freaking pineapple prince can deliver a lot of interesting things. But he's going to deliver you a pick six. He's going to deliver you a sack. But you saw what he did in that national championship game, Drew. Catastrophic play, backed him up, and bam, there it went. And that's who I am as a football player. I want that damn gunslinger. I think everybody's looking forward to that and wanting to become more dynamic as an offense. But you bring up some great points, uh, no doubt about that. But uh, with that, uh, we're going to wrap up this edition of uh, BAMS Radio. Uh, It's been uh, uh, some great talk covering basketball, and we will have some reaction next week from Alabama. We hope by the time we come to you, Alabama's getting ready uh, after shocking the world to play in the Sweet 16. Uh, But we will definitely uh, keep you updated on that. Spring practice will be about ready to begin at that point in time, uh, and we'll be uh, g- being able to get a look at now, uh, find it, get get some looks at some players, see how they've improved physically, get some health updates. From what we understand, Keaton Anderson's had a couple of surgeries. I'm sure Nick Saban by then will have gone on his rant about the quarterbacks. So uh, we will have some uh, you know some reaction and some spring practice coverage for you next week. And then we'll be able to, again, hopefully we're still talking basketball and not just wrapping up the season, but Alabama continuing to play. But regardless, it's going to be very interesting in the next several days. And we will be back with you on that BAMS radio. We thank you for taking a time and hopefully getting a chance to listen to this week's episode. Always love being with you. I want to thank the producer and co-host Thomas Watts, who uh, always does a great job behind the curtain and William Redfish Barger, former Alabama offensive lineman, always bringing great perspective uh, with the football program and even giving you some basketball thoughts tonight. But everybody, I hope you enjoyed this edition of BAMS Radio, and we'll come with to you next week uh, as spring practice will be cranking up, and Alabama will hopefully be still on the road uh, to, a, to a, a Final Four. But we'll see. A good, big test tomorrow at 11 o'clock against Villanova. But everybody, good night. We thank you for uh, joining us on this Friday. And uh, everybody, roll tide, and we'll talk to you next week.